Before we get started with today's show, let me tell you about another great ESPN podcast, The Dominique Fosworth Show. ESPN and Anscape contributor Dominique Foxworth's podcast is every Tuesday and Thursday, bringing his unique perspectives on football, the personalities surrounding it, and just about anything else he finds interesting or thinks you might. So check out the Dominique Foxworth Show. Listen where you are listening to this podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bobani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. Coming up on this episode of The Right Time, we get you guys caught up with what's going on in the playoffs in the East. Also, we have got your voicemails about the time you taught yourself out of a job. But first... All right, a lot of great NBA playoff action since the last time that we talked is one of those. Normally, I'm just like, all right, find a series to talk in the first part, find a series to talk in the last part. Not really so simple, but we can just break it off like that, right? We got to break this down into conferences. We got uh, the Parker versus Dan battle here. Hadn't quite realized that. We got the Heat versus the Knicks. Dan, your face doesn't look nearly as happy about this as Parker's does. Not good right now, Bo. It's not good. But it is good because you guys are in the second round. It's true. First time in a decade. I'll give you that. See, 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 see. Half full, baby. Half full. That's the way that you got to go about these things. Half full. And I feel like we've seen enough to see that no matter who it is, you got a chance to like make this work for game. Was it game four? That's next. You can even up this series. I got that right. Still got a chance to even yeah, it tonight. up. Tonight. Tonight, yeah. See, see, see. Parker, however, says not believe that such a thing is going to happen. Uh, Dan's going to remember who beat the Knicks last time they made it to the second round. So Fair, fair. And good thing LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, and Chris Bosh are there to make the— Oh, it's different this time? Oh, okay. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I don't think the Knicks are going to win game four, but I do think they can because the thing with the Heat, and they pulled it off against Milwaukee to the point of getting uh, Budenholzer fired, but— it's still largely Jimmy, whatever this incarnation of Bam is, and guys. I don't even want to say dudes, guys, people, humans, NBA basketball players, right? But largely guys, nonetheless. You know, the problem for the Knicks, of course, is they're whole MO, guys. We're guys. Guys you might know, guys you might relate to, are one guy who's more than a guy, isn't very tall, plays really hard, got the right mindset, all of that stuff, right? Like, he's going to give you that. But again, not a very big guy. I feel like for the Knicks, though, you know, he said, be happy, baby. Be happy. This has been a good thing. It's a nice building block sort of scenario. Help you get to where you want to go. I did think that there was a certain charm in game two to Julius Randle looking out there and realizing, oh, these guys can't really guard me. Like, Randle's one of those dudes that's interesting because I think it's easy for us to forget that he was a dude that was like a close to number one overall player in his class, right? Like, he still got that mind to him. Where if you tell him, hey, man, it's your world. Go ahead and do it. That's what he's been waiting to hear, right? And that's what we saw from him in game two was a lot of that. Just like, oh, okay. And then, of course, in game three, 15 shots and a grand total of uh, 10 points. Uh, Whoa, I had not noticed this. Dan, did you realize that R.J. Barrett was a minus 32 in game three? Felt like the whole team was a minus 32 in game three, Bill. (laughs) Dude, the thing with with Barrett, for me, I feel like we're all just still waiting because it just looks like it should be something else. I feel like we've all been waiting since the second he showed up at Duke. They told us he was this. It looks like that he, he should be. It'll come around You know what that point. means? It, it means he's not. It's We've not. Been yeah, waiting too long. <laughs> We've been waiting so long. It looks like it, right? It looks like it's about to happen. Or at the very least, even if it don't look like it's about to happen, it looks like it's going to happen. It looks like it should happen. Hell, it looked like it already did. Everything about him is giving you that vibe. Nah. Nah. Nah, 
Not getting it. Not getting it. But if we get the heat in the Eastern Conference Finals, like, I talked to somebody about this, and they made a very, very interesting point here, which is they would be less surprised if the Heat won the championship than they would be if the Knicks beat the Heat. That it is more unlikely that the Knicks can beat the Heat than it is that the Heat could go to the finals. That's what it was. Than it is that they could go to the finals. I hope you told them to pump the brakes. That's a little strong. Nah, I told him I agree. <laughs> I was like, yeah, I just can't. I, I can't. I, 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 I don't. I. And again, it's not like the Heat are like great. And it's not like, I mean, Spoh's obviously a very, very good coach. But it's not like uh, Tibbs is some bum. Like, obviously on paper, this feels like one that the Knicks should win. What is your answer for why this is going the way it is? Because you know this team better than I do. So I'm curious. Who, me? Oh, well, yeah. the Heat are ridiculous. The Heat are tougher. They play harder and they get all the loose balls. I hate Kyle Lowry, obviously. <laughs> um, that's just the way the Heat are. Like, that's as much as I hate to say it, hate to admit it. Like, Heat culture is a real thing. Like, people joke about it, but it's obviously real. Like, they got dudes that weren't drafted out there killing us. And Randall's not a Randall's not a star. Like, he's going to be for second, third team all NBA this year. But um, I saw a stat, Bo, you'll like this. Julius Randle with the Knicks. Nine 40-point games in the regular season, zero in the playoffs. Jimmy Butler, zero regular season games for the Heat, 40 points, eight in the playoffs. Dude, the whole Jimmy Butler, like, I thought that people were like, yo, why is playoff Jimmy a thing? Like I said, I think regular season Jimmy is greatly underrated. But playoff Jimmy does look around and be like, fine, give me the ball. All right, I guess somebody got to do this, and that somebody going to be me. Fine, give me the ball. Like, this is... I've said this before, and I think it may have sounded crazy as recently as three years ago, but to me, it's a no-brainer. This dude's a Hall of Famer. Like, when you go through the Jimmy Butler resume, tell me what part of this is not Hall of Famer. One, as I've said before, just about everybody who's ever been the best player on a team that made the finals is in the Hall of Fame. Like, it's really hard to pull that off and not be a Hall of Fame player. Um... All those all-defense teams, enough all-NBA all teams, the trips to the finals, what you're seeing right now, what, what, what more exactly would a dude like him need to do in order for you to believe that he is a Hall of Famer? So, yeah, we got one, two, three, four, five-time second-team all-defense, four-time third-team all-NBA, and, yeah, third-team all-NBA doesn't feel that high on the list. Totally get it. However... That'll get you to the Hall of Fame. That'll get you there. And the Knicks. I mean, they used Melo used to play for them. You know, you got that. You got that. But let's get to the, I guess, more interesting series we got here. Uh, Philadelphia and Boston. And can you think of a team that and yes, I know the Celtics have not won a championship, right? But I hate when people are like, oh, they ain't never won nothing. The only thing they haven't won is a championship, right? Like, I just don't view it as being so binary. Either you've won everything or you've won nothing. I'm not that person. But I can't think of a team that's got as many stripes as the core of this Boston team has, and that core being uh, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Marcus Smart, that I have less faith in, like, you cannot count on them. You can't. You can't underestimate them. You can't act like they're not going to show up, but you sure can't be positive that they are. You need them to call and be like, hey, we on the way before you start putting food on the stove because you don't know what time it is that they're actually going to show up. Playing against uh, the MVP and another Hall of Famer who has occasionally looked like a Hall of Famer, but you can't be sure either one of them is going to show up either. You can't be sure Embiid is going to like physically be there to play. And James Harden, sometimes you wish he would have stayed home. Right? Like, game three. Right? I ain't even get to watch all of that. I just got the text from my brother that said, quote, James Harden's bed again, unquote. And then you go from there. And he did, except. Game four, if he decides to actually show up 
and to bring it. Like, we're at the point now with James Harden where very often when you have guys as good as him who have not really made it happen in the playoffs, it's just a matter of, okay, well, we're going to get here, right? Like, it's just going to take a little while, but, you know, we're just waiting for that breakout. Problem is, the dude's been in the NBA for 14 years. By the way, James Harden's been in the NBA for 14 years. But anyway, problem is, the dude's been in the NBA for 14 years. This is what it is. This is who he is, right? This is what you're going to get. Embiid has had the big games. like And that knee injury he has, I feel confident enough to say, like, this is not one that a dude like him, you know, be like, oh, it's the regular season, he wouldn't play. Man, this is a rough one for somebody to actually try to play to. A dude that size carrying all that weight. But I felt like though game three and game four, he brought it as best as anybody could ask him to bring it. And an underrated part of Embiid's game, something I really don't think we talk nearly enough about is, it's one thing to have a dude that can get to the free throw line in a game like this 15 times. It's another one to have a dude that'll make 12 of them. Right? Like if you're going to keep getting to the line like he does at his, at his size and shoot free throws at the percentage at which he shoots them, that's your big old giant advantage right there. The weird thing, though, that comes down in the series is Al Horford. And this goes back, right? Like, young Embiid used to get vexed by Al Horford. Young Ben Simmons used to get vexed by Al Horford. Horford can just every now and then come out there against Embiid, and I don't know if it's old man tricks or whatever it is, but just figure out a little something that Buddy can't handle, and then boom, where do you go? But I feel like this about what's going on in the East, and you guys can tell me if I'm tripping. Um, whoever comes out the East, they ain't winning it. Like, I feel like this is going to be who's who's coming out of the West is going to wind up winning this whole thing. That's my feeling about this, though every team in the West is also weird. I'm going to get to the West, but before I get to the West, I want to throw something out here right fast. Because there was a little news that came out, and I didn't have any way to neatly fold it into this. Dan, did you see that thing that happened to that uh, with that broadcaster in Oakland? I didn't click to see what he said, but I saw something was oh, said. Oh, 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 Let me walk you through exactly what happened. All right? Everybody ready? So, on Twitter... It started bouncing that the play-by-play man for the A's had apologized for something that he had said earlier, but nobody knew what he had said earlier. Put a pin in that point. Nobody knew what he had said earlier. So then my man Tim Burke used to work at Deadspin, works with the Defector. You know, he's the dude that gets all the, he got all the feeds, right? All the stuff coming in. He went back. And he found out what happened. Uh, they were playing a game in Kansas City. And apparently they did two things that day. They went to a well-known Kansas City barbecue establishment. And they went to the Negro League Museum. Except when my man said they went to the Negro League Museum. Oh, yeah, Dan. He said that. No. Yes. Oh, no. With the hard R. Oh, boy. Yes. 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 That is what he said. Okay? Now, of course, there was all kinds of discussion that then popped up about whether the man should be fired, which, I mean, it's some stuff you just can't do, right? Like, that's the thing that'll get you fired. And I saw the, well, he didn't have any malice. The point is not whether or not he had any malice. To me, if you can't turn off the say the hard R on television, we can't trust you with an open microphone. I'm surprised they let him apologize on the air after saying that. Well, I was surprised by that also, except this to me is where it gets interesting. As we know, the A's look like they're going to be moving out of town. They're probably going to wind up going to Las Vegas or anything. This is all I'm saying. How few people are watching your pregame show where a dude said the N-word with the hard R 
and nobody noticed it for six innings and only noticed it when somebody says something about it, which then also tells me the discussion the folks with the broadcast team were having was like, I mean, I don't think anybody heard it, man. Like, if we just, like, let this go, like, just, 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 just let it go, baby. Just, just, just let it go. And they probably would have gotten away with it because when the apology came, nobody knew what the dude was apologizing for, right? This is all I'm telling you guys. This is it, okay? You can say he ain't had no malice. That's fine. I don't believe in like the purity test of people where it, basically I've come to terms with the fact that bad people get good things happening to them all the time, right? Like I'm not one of those where if you ever felt that in your heart, you shouldn't have a job, man. Unemployment rate would be 60% in America if that was the way that it went. No, we, we wouldn't be able to get nothing done in here if that was really what it was. I just could not believe there were all these people trying to come up and defend a dude, right? But never forget, what was that dude's name? Josh Hader, who played for the uh, Brewers. And he got caught up in that. And it was like John Rocker, his first game back, standing ovation. And I'm like, what are you clapping for? Like, why, why, why are you looking out for this man who may, even if you don't think he's a bad dude, you have to admit that's the dumbest thing that you could possibly do on live television. And you're like, oh, man, well, you shouldn't get fired for that. No, nah, yeah, no, 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 that's a fire one. That's a, that's a, that's a fireable one. If they don't, I'm going to just shrug my shoulders. I ain't going to be standing outside there. I just can't, again, the benefit of the doubt that y'all won't get white folks every time something happens that, honestly, how do you give the benefit of, I mean, the R was hard, guys. The R was hard. And he didn't notice it, apparently. That's it. He did not notice it. It ain't the, it ain't the same as Tom um, Long Drive by Castellanos Brenneman where he got caught on that hot mic. And he said that. Now, that guy, he said that was some passion. He, he, he meant every word of that one when he called that place a bleep capital of the world. I was like, oh, ooh, 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 strong, strong right there, real strong. But, yeah, Oakland A's, y'all got to watch out, man. Y'all got to do some more promo on your pregame show. Um, cause if didn't nobody know that happened, damn, I don't know what y'all got to do on the pregame show for somebody to notice. It could have been an earthquake in that bad boy and wouldn't nobody had any idea. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training. Just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. Spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. All right, baby, the West. The West got a lot going on, uh, and I don't, I don't fully understand what to make of everything. I will start with Sunday night's game uh, between the Suns and the Nuggets, or just that series in general. And shout out to you, Phoenix Suns, because I thought they were either going to get swept or they were going to go back to Denver 3-1, right? And the reason was they are a two-man team. Like, if you look at the guys that they're bringing out there at crunch time, it's Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, uh, Big Jock, Jock Landale, He's out there on the floor. I've seen TJ Warren in some of these minutes. Like, I'm not even sure who the other black guys are. Like, I, I'm not positive who the other dudes are that they're trotting out there. And what is happening is very simple. Shot making like I maybe have never seen before from two people. Like, I'm not watching the Nuggets as this is happening and being like, yo, man, schematically, you guys can't figure this out. No, that's not what this looks like to me. 
It's just Kevin Durant and Devin Booker. Devin Booker, who, by the way, is the best player in the postseason thus far. Like we said this about Jimmy early. Oh, Parker, Parker got that what about Jimmy look? Is, is that that's the look you're giving me? That's absolutely the look I'm giving you. All right, let me let me let me run something by you in the advanced stat realm. There's a stat called TPA. I can't remember exactly what TPA is. However, um, it's one of those kind of sort of, you know, catch-all um, advanced statistics. And they put it out there with everybody who's played in the, you know, everybody in the playoffs and what they're giving you, right? All right. So here's how they refer to it by tiers, going from the bottom to the top. They have tier seven, which they refer to as no longer just Dylan Brooks, because Dylan Brooks was the worst player in the postseason. And from what I can tell in this picture, it appears that it's DeAndre Ayton down there with him who has just been inexplicably awful to the point of being unplayable. Like, when I say I don't know who the other black guys are they're putting out there, one of them should be DeAndre Ayton for the Suns. No, they can't play him. They 100% can't play him. You got a bunch of dudes clumped up in Tier 6, in Tier 5, in Tier 4. Uh, tier 3 is Jimmy Butler, Steph Curry, a um, couple other guys dropped in there. Tier 2 is Nikola Jokic. And tier one all by himself is Devin Booker. Like the gap between those two and the gap between those two is so far ahead of everybody else. But Devin Booker's been that guy. The thing we got to remember is Jimmy was putting up the 56 and all that and that was incredible in round one. Devin Booker's doing this in round two. You know? Like what did he and Durant combine for last night? Like wasn't it something like a buck? No, 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 no. Devin Booker's been that guy. Devin Booker put up, what was it, 50-something with no free throws or something like that? Like, I mean, I'm looking at everything that he's doing and how absolutely unstoppable he is. And, of course, because you guys are, not all you guys, but it's okay, I'm talking about you specifically, Suns fans. You bunch of fucking dorks. Two years ago, I said, uh, Devin Booker was fun to watch. It was one of those years where everybody's complaining, oh, no, they didn't put Devin Booker on the All-Star team. That became an annual thing, but nobody could say who should have been there, like, who should have been taken off for him. And I'm like, look, he's a really fun player to watch. He gets buckets, but he hasn't demonstrated that he's a dude that affects winning. Like, my point in that discussion was we're not at the place where you should be offended that Devin Booker doesn't make the All-Star team. Now we're talking about something different. But that was the point then. I must have blocked 200 Suns fans at that point, right? Like, yeah, we just create new accounts and everything else to stand for Devin Booker. Okay, cool. No, I was not standing with you on Devin Booker then. I am absolutely standing with you on Devin Booker now. And all y'all want to talk about is two years ago. Right? Y'all so desperate for an I told you so. Your dude got better. Right, Your dude's a much better defensive player than he is right now. And now he has become that essential playoff thing. You need a bucket, this dude going to get it for you. He's outplaying Kevin Durant. right? And Durant had, I would say, the best games that he's played in the postseason these last two. But he still turned the ball over five times. Um, I guess Booker did also, but I can't blame them because they got the ball so much. It's them. That's all they got. Now, of course, I know you want to talk about the other thing from that game. Not Jokic scoring 53. By the way, it was a mean, ornery 53. Remember when I said coming into these playoffs that the thing that's going to have to sway some people about Jokic is he's going to have to come out here and have one of these games where it's just like jump on my back, boys, watch me go get 50? He did it. And I had multiple people hit me up and be like, oh, okay, yeah, you're right. He's, he's what y'all said he was, right? But, Ball goes out of bounds. Yogi's trying to get the ball fast because one of the sons is in the crowd so he can move the ball up the floor. Some dude's got the ball. Jokic tries to take the ball from him. The dude don't want to give him the ball. Um, there becomes a bit of a kerfuffle. There's stuff going on. The dude puts his hand on Jokic's hip. Jokic gives him a bit of a forearm, but to be fair, a bit of Jokic's forearm is like three of my thighs. So, okay, right? Maybe it moved him a little bit, but it sure looked like that fan flopped. Jokic gets a technical foul for it, except the fan isn't a fan. The fan is the owner of the Suns. Now, to me, the only reason they call it tech there is because that dude is the owner of the Suns. And by the way, they kicked some other dude out. 
for putting his hand on Jokic. Now, to be fair, that other dude had to like go-go gadget arms to try to do it. Like he was a little too invested in putting his hand on Jokic. They did have to put him out. But the owner of the Suns, you, sir, are a herb. You are a 100% herb. And you know what should have worried us about him? The fact that he was a college walk-off. And this is why I'm saying this, okay? Can you imagine going to basketball practice every day? Being asked to guard future NBA players? And you don't even get to play on the, even get to get into games? The only reason that you want to do that is so you can tell people, you were on the basketball team. I had dudes hitting me up talking about, you know he was a national champion, right? Oh, yeah, he was the fourth Flintstone. You're right. No, he was a walk-on on the team. He want to be part of the team that bad. And that's what he was down there doing, trying to be part of the action. Oh, I got the ball. I'm going to hold on to this. And then flopping. I want to be part of the action, you dork. What other way is there to say that? What other way is there to look at that dude? And I just couldn't believe all the people we had defended him. Oh, you, you think Jokic is going to get suspended? You want Jokic to be suspended for that? Then you uh, concerned trollers. Well, what about if Draymond or any other black person had done that? I'd be saying the same thing I'm saying right now. Well, they would have kicked him out. They shouldn't have. What are you talking about? Like, what is this? Somebody in my mentions said about, uh, was it Ish- Ishba? How you, is that you say his name? Ishbia. Ishbia, okay. They were saying about Matt Ishbia. He literally owns the ball. No, he doesn't. Number one. Number two. Y'all love rip people that much? Y'all really love him that much? He owns the ball. He owns everything he surveys. He is not Joffy Joe Fur. He's a dork that bought a basketball team. Like That's who he is. That's what he is. Owners should be sitting in the box anyway. I get it. Of course, our seats are incredible or something. Either way it goes. None of that shouldn't happen. Did y'all see what Mike Malone said about it? Mike Malone at the post-game press conference coach of the Nuggets. Mike Malone was like, yo, he got to do it with some fan. The fan put his hand on Nicola. Uh, da da da, and he told Malone, "Well, uh, the fan was the owner of the Suns, and without missing a beat, Malone's response was, I 'I don't give a sh.' Come on, man, that dude was out of line. Ain't no other way around. And I had some, uh, somebody else said something to me about uh, I forget what it was that they said about this, but it, it it had echoes of it was off me, coach. I touched the coach. You remember that? You remember that commercial?" The, the, where, the, where the kid was telling on himself, I touched it, coach. I touched it. Oh, man. Pff, I'm sorry. That just made me mad. That just, that just made me mad. Anyway, on the basketball of it, this is the very simple thing for Denver. Michael Porter shows up. You can't beat them. And he did not show up in game four. In game three, he showed up a little bit late. Though part of him showing up late was a monster dunk on Kevin Durant. Oh, my goodness. Like, the Nuggets had another one of those we look like champions runs where they went ahead and put it together. Jokic had his I'm becoming the man moment on the sideline. You see what he's talking to him, dude, so mad. And apparently told him, it's only two of them. Come on, it's only two of them. But he was so mad. I was like, ain't no way he's speaking English right now. It's none. It's none. You can't be that man and speak. You can't be that mad and speak in your other language. It's not possible. He had his hands going. Like, it, it, it just looked like, it looked like, a, like something out of the Simpsons that you would imagine if there was some Slavic character who had just gotten irate, right? He was so mad. Now, again, I think they're still going to win this. I think they're still going to win the West. And the reason I think that they're still going to win this and still going to win the West is, what about Lakers Warriors gives you faith in either of them? Either of them. I said something on Twitter, and I was like, fake Anthony Davis quote. I'm like, hmm. Nobody on this team can guard me, which is something he says to himself every other game. Not every game. Maybe that would make things too easy. Just every other game. Because the Warriors don't have anybody that can guard him. It's a weird series. I forget who I saw make this point online, but it was a good one that 
the Lakers had the highest free throw differential in the NBA. The Warriors, I think, have the worst free throw differential in the NBA. Yeah, the Lakers are going to get more foul calls than the Warriors. I didn't really think those calls against Draymond were bad. Um, I could kind of go either way, but I did not think that they were bad per se. But, man, Steph out there by himself. You see Steph out there even getting salty with Clay About, like, Steph, Steph is starting to feel like he's back out there at Davidson again. It's only a matter of time before he hits somebody in the face with one of them passes. Not like actually hits them in the face. I couldn't see Steph Curry doing that. What in the world would you have to say to Steph Curry to make Steph Curry just punch you in the face? Maybe something Kevin Garnett said to Melo once. Uh, yeah, that might be. Though I had somebody tell me that wasn't exactly what it is. I forgot what they told me what it was. I actually uh, know the line that will uh, hit music. Thank you for your patience. A representative from the right time will be with you shortly. Your current hold time is 15 seconds. Actually, yeah, that is the thing. I did ask Steph once about what it was like growing up under those circumstances. And he was, yeah, he sounded like he'd be ready to fight all the time about, you know. Anyway, I don't think the Warriors would have any chance against the Nuggets. The Lakers could cause them a problem every other game. Because Anthony Davis arrives every other that's it. Every other game. That's what he's going to give you. And I can't imagine how frustrating it is for Lakers fans. I can't imagine how frustrating it is for anybody who was on their payroll. But the Warriors are a team that I just don't think is very good, but they have excellent Steph Curry. The Lakers are a team that can look pretty good to very good, can't play four straight quarters, and so can't play two games in a row. It's the strangest and wildest thing. The Suns have two players. Two players. There is no excuse to me for Denver to not win the West. The closest thing to it is going to be if they play against the Lakers, Jokic can't do nothing with Anthony Davis, but Anthony Davis can't do nothing. with. I, we talked about this before. Can you just imagine how frustrating it is to be like getting shook out your jock by a dude who not even can't jump, just doesn't? Like, Jokic along the way figured out, man, I can save so much energy if I just don't jump. I'm 7 feet 290. Jump for what? He just doesn't do it. Doesn't jump on a jumper. Doesn't jump on a layup. I'm not sure the last time I saw him dunk a basketball. I am assuming that he can. He just doesn't do it. it just, I mean, I just, I just don't know how mad I would be if I had been in there hitting the gym, doing all this stuff, box jumps. You know what I'm saying? Walking around with the strength shoes. Y'all know about the strength shoes. Oh, man. Back in the day, you were looking East Bay, and they had these joints called the strength shoes. And the strength shoes were these tennis shoes. They were workout shoes, but they had a platform on the toe, and it was basically supposed to get it to where you were always doing a calf raise because we all wanted to get our hops right. And so you'd have the strength shoes. I don't know if these young boys know nothing about these strength shoes. I'd be so mad. I feel like the strength shoes are such a waste of money if I had done all that. And then next thing you know, Jokic. Like you know what Jokic is? Jokic is like just a much bigger Zach Randolph with range. And just his own. And he's the best passing big man of all time. Don't best passing big man of all yeah. time. Correct. <laughs> the best passing big man of all time. And he's put up 53 in game four. But they got to get it from somebody else, right? What was wild is I was watching that game on a television that where the score bug was cut off. And so I could only see Denver score. I could never actually tell who was ahead at any point. We are like, since they've been putting that scoreboard on the screen, our brains can't do it. Like, I have the hardest time keeping up with who's actually winning a game without the scoreboard directly in front of me. I thought I'd be smarter than that. And then I hear it's the biggest lead in the game. And I'm like, damn, what's the lead? It was a 10 point game, but I had no idea. 
We know you can't be on top of all the news and information of the day. No need for the social media feeds. We got you. Now, if you haven't heard. All right, this first story is from Crime. Hi, I'm Kenneth Niemeyer, a news reporter at Insider. Workers at Max Grill in Auburn, Maine got quite the surprise on April 28th when they opened a shipping container that they thought had a shipment of mugs for their restaurant. Instead, they found 14 kilos worth of fentanyl that was worth more than $3 million, according to the Auburn Police Department. Police arrested Jeremy Mercier, a 40-year-old man from Arizona, when he came to the Max Grill and started asking about the package. Prosecutors charged Mercier with aggravated drug importation and aggravated drug trafficking in connection to the case. The restaurant's owner told WMWT that he was glad that the drugs didn't make it to the street and that fentanyl overdoses are a problem in Auburn and surrounding communities. In December, the Maine Attorney General's office released a report that said more than 10,000 drug overdoses were reported in Maine last year and 716 of those overdoses resulted in death. According to the report, nearly 80% of the fatal overdoses were attributed to fentanyl. So they said 14 kilos. So the conversion rate on that is, what you thinking? 16, 17 kilos? That's what they actually found was 16, 17 kilos. That the Parker from Miami. Parker know what I'm talking about. Dan doesn't seem to quite understand what I'm saying. Miami Parker knows exactly what I mean. Uh, we have uh, our fair share of uh, shady authorities. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, let's, let's it, it might be authorities. It might be dudes at the restaurant. Who's to say, right? But <laughs> that that's about the conversion rate or something like that. Sixteen make it to the make it to the destination. Fourteen make it to the station. <laughs> like I guarantee you, when you say you got a bus with that much, your supervisor is patting you down. They looking all the way through your car. All of it, right? Just trying to see what happened. And they said, I love this idea, though, that the man showed up asking questions about the package, and then they got him. How'd that work? Hey, guys, um, yeah, so don't ask me how, but somebody was supposed to send me a package, but he put y'all's address on. Yeah, like, I told him this was a great restaurant, and maybe he looked it up, and he thought that, since I like the restaurant so much, I would be here when anyway, uh, could you look in the back and see if we uh see if you got anything for me? Like this ain't mailbox plus. Like this ain't a place where you just go pick up your package. Whew. 2023, man. What a time. All right, this next story is from the economy. Hello, my name is Juliana Kaplan, and I'm a senior reporter at Business Insider, where I cover labor and inequality. Today, I'm here to talk to you about a piece I had come out this very week, all about why things are still so expensive. So if you've been to the grocery store, or if you tried to buy pretty much anything recently, you probably noticed things are pretty expensive. And for months and months, we've been hearing all about inflation. But it turns out the things that were thought to be driving inflation, at least at first, things like supply chains being really messed up, commodity prices getting really high, labor costs going up and up, all of those have pretty much cooled down or normalized. And yeah, everything is still really expensive. So sifting through the data, talking to experts and economists, I found that as has been documented, corporate profit margins are still near record highs. And Basically, what's happening at this point is that firms used inflation as a guise to make their prices really high, perhaps higher than they needed to be to preserve that profit, and took advantage of temporary bottlenecks to create what's called temporary monopolies because people would basically be willing to pay anything to get stuff that was in low supply. And now that firms have realized if they hike prices because everybody's saying, oh, the inflation is so bad, there's all these stories about supply chains that they can keep those prices high and consumers will still pay them. And that's pretty much why everything is still so expensive. Companies have sort of used this cloak of inflation to keep prices high and also keep people paying that much for stuff, even when these are everyday essentials. And there's no real one easy solution to it. I heard a few different things like a windfall profits tax, for instance, greater antitrust enforcement, greater incentive to diversify the supply, uh, all of those would require political action. And right now there is not a lot of political appetite for spending 
uh, or targeting corporations. Look, man, once they figure out that you will pay it, then prices ain't coming down. All right. I, I feel like there have been enough places where we have seen this, right? Like when they jacked them prices up after 9-11 on the flights. And when they decided that you couldn't check your, you know, check as many bags as you wanted anymore, that you would have to pay to check the bags and everything else. And we just went around and adjusted to it. Um, once they figure out you'll do it, then prices aren't coming down. Now, maybe they won't rise and then everything else catches up to the right point. Right? But them prices ain't coming down. We are doomed, man. Like this whole thing, as I look at everything, when I went to graduate school, this was 20 years ago, part of it was my advisor, Sandy Darity, probably the most brilliant man that I've ever met. He had written a book with a professor at the University of Minnesota named Sam Myers called Persistent Disparity. And it was basically about the disparity of wealth between black people and white people. And this at that time, it was worth noting that the wealth gap between black people and white people, and this is in the 21st century, was the same as the wealth gap was in 1890. Right. That's what their research had found. Um, but the point that they were making was what's happening is a narrowing of the middle class that affects black people disproportionately because black people are disproportionately poor. So what we're going to have is more really rich people than we've ever had and more really poor people than we have ever had. And this sort of inflation stuff that we're talking about exacerbates that very thing because the rich people can just weather these things without it being that big of a deal. Everybody else, they can't catch up. They can't get there. They can't get there. They can't get there. They can't get there. And so these prices, all of this is just leading to a place where we are going to be a have and have not society in line with those places that we malign, like really South America and um, Sub-Saharan Africa are what I think of when I think about these like staggering levels of income inequality, the sorts of income inequality that drives people to like Marxist revolutions. Now, of course, that will never happen here. And I'm not saying that it should. I'm just telling you the chain of events that's how that goes. When people look around and realize they ain't got no chance in the way the game is played, they tend to try to go find a way to level it out. Again, I'm not saying that's going to happen here. I'm not saying that should happen here. But I am saying we are reaching the point that drives people to that or historically has driven people to that because of how much narrower that middle class is because once you narrow that middle class like that people ain't got nothing to believe in when people don't have anything to believe in baby it's scary all right this last story the journalist couldn't join us but i recorded something earlier scientists from the university of texas at austin have conducted a study in which artificial intelligence can translate the private thoughts of the human subjects by analyzing fmri machines which measure the flow of blood to different regions of the brain in the study, three subjects listened to a podcast for about 16 hours over several days. And as they listened, the fMRI scanner recorded the blood oxygenation levels in different parts of their brain. The researchers then used a language model to match the patterns of brain activity to the words and phrases heard. They then decoded the messages being read with AI. The words and phrases were out of place, but AI could figure out the meaning behind the phrases. We are still a long way from being able to do this frequently as fMRI machines are bulky and participants have shown the ability to throw off the machine from their own inner private monologues, researchers are hopeful for this technology. They, they've they already developed several language decoding methods to pick up the attempted speech patterns of people who have lost the ability to speak and to allow paralyzed people to write while just thinking about writing. But this method would be revolutionary as it would be the first to not rely on implants. All right, what was that? thing called in baseball was it quest tech you remember that they had the the thing that was calling balls and strikes like they had like a machine that was kind of like the hawkeye in tennis i don't remember i think it was quest tech I can't remember the exact name but i do remember the time that kurt schilling got so mad at it that he grabbed a baseball bat and went and destroyed it and um i don't know if i ever thought i would say this but i feel like we need some kurt schillings out here Go grab some bats. And we got to do something about this AI, man. We don't need this. Like, that's my thing about this. We got a lot of potential for terrible in exchange for stuff we don't need. 
This is bad, bad, bad. Was the 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 the, tech, the the Silicon Valley thing just make noise and break things? You're breaking humanity, fools. I ain't gonna talk about this no more, man. Let's go have some fun. Hey, this is Bomani. You have reached the right time voicemail. Say whatever you want. Get creative with it. But this is your place to talk back to the show. So talk back. Peace. All right. The voicemail topic for this week is tell us the time you talked yourself out of a job. This first one is from Ted from D.C. Hey, Bomani. It's Ted from D.C. calling you from sunny Puglia, Italy. Flex. And I'm going to tell you about the time that I talked myself out of a job that I paid my company several hundred thousand dollars. Me and my wife, we own a interior design business in Washington, D.C. Uh, we design a lot of office spaces, so usually we try and research uh, the companies that we meet with before we meet with them, but this one was on short notice, so we kind of went in blind, but it seemed, you know, to go well. Uh, we walk in, we meet with their team in the conference room, things are going great, have a great rapport, and the main guy uh, working there you know, as we go through, he's like, hey, you know, are you a college football fan? And I'm like, yeah, I love college football. He's like, who's your team? I go, Iowa. And he goes, oh, yeah, I'm a Big Ten, myself, Big Ten and myself. Who's your least favorite team in the Big Ten? And I still wake up in a cold sweat that I didn't ask him what was his favorite college football team. And I said, oh, I don't like Ohio State. And he's like, why? And I said, oh, I'm not big into the Ohio State thing. And I come up with a couple of jokes like, you know how, you know, somebody's from Iowa State, Ohio State, they tell you, you know, why is the horseshoe uh, thinking about going to artificial turf so the cheerleaders don't eat the grass? And uh, he kind of chuckles and he's like, all right, well, let's walk around the office. But uh, first, you know, let's discuss my corner office. And I walk in there. And the room looked like Jim Trestle's balls exploded in there. Uh, the thought that the horror that was going through my mind, it felt like I was Marlon Brando dying at the end of Apocalypse Now. And he turns and he looks at me and he goes, before we go on, um, I don't think you're going to get the job. I disappeared in the bushes like Homer Simpson. Uh, my wife still hasn't forgiven me to this day. And, uh, yeah, I didn't get that bread. Anyways, love the show. Keep doing what you're doing. Peace. Hold on. I don't think you're getting the job. <laughs> Bravo, sir. <laughs> Bravo. He couldn't wait to drop that one on you. Man, yeah, yeah, yeah. You needed to tease that out a little bit. Or I don't know if you didn't have enough jokey joke in you. You know what I mean? Playing like, ah, just razzing you, buddy. Ah, ha, ha, ha. Just busting your balls, right? I watched Goodfellas the other day. You know how they talk. Like, yeah, that's what you need to hit away, right? Nah, 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 nah. Instead, oh boy, I can't imagine how bad your wife was. In fact, I don't think she wants you even telling this story, because now she's mad all over again. Alright, this next one's from Anthony. Alright, both. My name is Anthony, and as far as the story goes about getting somebody fired or getting yourself out of a job, all right, so it's me basically facilitating somebody else. So here's the thing. So worked at a restaurant, and I, a couple weeks or maybe a month earlier, my house caught on fire, burned all down. That's important to the story. Just let me finish. So all that happens right there, but whatever else like that. Come back to work after that, you know, grieving all that kind of stuff like that, whatever. Come back to work, and they're doing interviews, right, for, like, servers, bartenders, stuff like that, or whatever. And they're doing the whole thing, and the AGM, assistant general manager, kind of was like, oh, hey, there's Anthony, da, 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 da. And, like, he mentioned his house burned down, which is fine, whatever. I don't really care about that. Like, I'll talk about it. It's cool. But he says that, and then I start talking to the person they're interviewing, right? And you know how if you get, like, comfortable at a certain point, you start talking about stuff, like, with your friends or whatever, you just kind of start saying stuff, right? So I started doing that, right? Because it was the time, like, right after COVID, or, like, right in the middle of COVID, like, once people were getting back, and like short staffed, like left, right, and center, short staffed all the time. So I was kind of talking about, oh, we're kind of short staffed, this and that. And then one of the things I very much remember saying was, oh, yeah, and we got people in the kitchen who are so high, like they can't see their hand in front of their face. Now, why did I say that? I don't know why I said that. It's probably a dumb thing to do, very much something to do. But I said that, uh, she left after that, very soon after that, because as soon as I said that, the AGM looked at me and was like, get out. I'm like, yep, you're right. So I left. She left almost immediately. 
never talked to them again, never came back. She was doing really well at the interview, and then once I said all that, nah, she never came back. They got mad at me, but I'd worked there for a while, and I got a little bit of, you know, good equity built up about, like, hey, these bad things happen to you. We're not going to hire you, but please, for the love of God, don't ever do that again. So, uh, yeah, I didn't necessarily get myself fired or out of a job, but I pretty much helped somebody be like, never mind, I don't want to do this. Yeah, I see you. I, 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 I see where that could go. I see where that could go. Let's go one more. All right, this last one is from David from South Carolina. Hey, what's going on, y'all? My name is David Europe from Buford, South Carolina. Uh, so, talk myself out of a job really easy. I've done it many times, but the one time in particular, uh, I was working at drive time, and long story short, their practices were not the best. The way they went about things at the job wasn't the best, and I'm not someone who bit my tongue a whole lot, especially when it comes to my money. One time in particular, <laughs> we sold a car to a nice lady, and the car blew up on the side of the road, and somehow I ended up losing money because I sold the car, and they took the commission that I, that I had gotten a month prior out of my current check. Needless to say, my mouth went running a million miles a second, and they I never let them live it down. Every time they screwed something up, I was on. Yeah, needless to say, within a few months' time, they got tired of me. And next thing you know, I'm being told, either I got to write a, a multi-page essay about being a team player, or I got to get fired. So, yeah, that's the time <laughs> that I taught myself out of a job. Hey, long-time listener, first-time voicemail. Love the show. Love what y'all do, man. Be easy. Ooh, boy, I'm so glad I ain't got one of these stories. Or maybe I taught myself out of a job, and I just didn't know it. I do feel like I, I taught myself out of stuff every now and then because I really don't want it. Right? Y'all, on the other hand, whew, bad play. Whew, yikes. But, hey. Ladies and gentlemen, thanks so much for joining us here on The Right Time. We do this three times a week. Dan Stasek and Parker Owens handling everything behind the scenes. Thank you, gentlemen. Also, thank you to our, if, if you haven't heard, contributors. Thanks to Kenneth Niemeyer of Insider. Check out his story on $3 million worth of fentanyl being shopped to a... $3 million of fentanyl being sent to a diner in Maine. Check that out at insider.com. Thanks to Juliana Kaplan of Insider. Check out her story about inflation at insider.com. And remember, follow the right time. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. We'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.